Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Like this Chinese-run hotel. The owner estimates there are as many as 100 hotels in Quito that, like hers, host Chinese migrants headed to the U.S. They've got essentially a how-to guide to go from here and to continue north. And they tell you here how many days you should be preparing, vaccinations you might need, other documents you should carry with you. They even mention bringing $300 and hiding that amount of money because of presumably being robbed at some point and needing cash as a backup. We're about to talk a little bit about China. I thought I'd slide in that story about the Chinese that are coming to the United States through Ecuador, and the Chinese have actually set up a hotel in the capital in Ecuador with a guide on getting Chinese nationals into the country. Sounds like a pretty good travel agent, too. It covers, you know, vaccinations and everything. Uh, how much cash to have on hand. Yeah, our most potent and dangerous foreign adversary getting their nationals into our country, uh, sneaking across the board. I wouldn't worry about that at all. Uh, speaking of China, the most excellent Josh Rogan, global opinions columnist for the Washington Post and author of Chaos Under Heaven, Trump, Xi, and the Battle for the 21st Century, joins us to talk about uh, matters re-China. Josh, how are you, sir? Uh, great. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. So far, so good, I guess. Uh, so I was so intrigued by something you wrote recently about anti-Semitism in Chinese media and social media. Um, just on its face, it's pretty interesting, but why it's important to the West and what it shows. Can you just start with telling us what's going on, what you've observed? Right. Well, it's kind of crazy, actually, because, you know, we sort of saw ever since the October 7th terrorist attacks uh, on Israel that the Chinese government has been pretty much pro-Palestinian. That's not really that, like, surprising, you might say. They had, you know, Xi Jinping hosted the Palestinian Authority just a couple months earlier. 
they see the Palestinian struggle as a great way to screw with our ally Israel and thereby screw with us and promote their anti anti imperialist anti West autocratic agenda. So they make common cause with a lot of these you know groups. Uh, but what was really crazy, and what a lot of my uh, you know Chinese friends especially noticed, is that on the Chinese internet, especially on their social media, it wasn't just like criticizing Netanyahu, it was Jews are Nazis, and the Jews control the media, and the Jews control the world, and all of this really sort of old-school, anti-Semitic garbage. If I, may, if, I may, if, I may jump in, if I may jump in quickly, Jews are Nazis uh, indicates a, a lack of understanding of some terms. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> and, and it's not like there's a ton of Jewish folks kicking around in Beijing either, but go on, Josh. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I've traveled in China many times, and usually it's like a philo-Semitism. It's like, oh, Jews are so smart, or you must have so much money, and, you know, oh, you know, how did you, you know. But the, now it's like really like, oh, you guys are genocidal maniacs, and you're a cabal running the, the, the world behind the scenes. And, it, and it's, it's, it's really nasty, and because we know the Chinese Internet is controlled by the Chinese government, it necessarily means that they're fueling and then all of a sudden, here comes the state TV with clips about how you know uh, you know the Jews control the American election, so democracy doesn't work. And you realize that what they're doing is they're trying to say that democracy is a sham. Therefore, shouldn't everybody want like an emperor? Isn't that a much better deal? And that comes at the cost of like a lot of anti-Semitism and hatred. And once you stir up all of those things in China, they don't just go away. You're training all these people who have no choice really but to read the heavily censored Chinese internet uh, to hate. And it's a, it's really messed. I just thought it was a really messed up thing. Well, the first thing my mind jumps to is is TikTok and how the Chinese government's been so successful in piping ideas into the heads of our young people. Have you seen that same sort of anti-Semitism on TikTok, for instance? Oh yeah, my whole TikTok feed is uh, anti-Semitism and and Chinese propaganda. Now maybe that's because I click on those things and I watch them because it's like for my professional research, but somehow. You know, it seems like TikTok is a wash, which is, like, really vibrant. And every time I report the anti-Semitism, it never gets taken down, you know what I mean? And then the Chinese propaganda, it's so uh, sophisticated. It's so savvy in a way, because what is more and more through American voices. It's like that Osama bin Laden thing. Like, how did 40,000, you know, American teenagers all decide on the exact same day that Osama bin Laden was right about something? You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't happen organically. That's what the algorithm does and that's not to say that i don't have a problem with facebook or x or instagram or thread or whatever they, their algorithms also need to be more transparent we need to know how they're manipulating what we see and how that affects what our children's minds perceive as the reality but at least they're not the genocidal mass murdering dictatorship that they out to get us and i think that's what people don't realize is that tiktok is run by the genocidal mass murdering dictatorship that's a, that seeks us harm that's trying to influence our society to to come to theirs and that's really an order of magnitude worse than facebook it's worse sure. than worse than instagram all put together and here's where we must point out that the move to get TikTok banned or more heavily regulated has completely died because they are so successful in spreading bribes around the political spectrum nobody has any interest in the topic anymore well, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, first they had that horrible hearing where, like, the guy, you know, you had that one center who was like, how come I keep just seeing dancing men on my TikTok? And they, the CEO was like, I don't know, should I tell? You know what I mean? Like, that was, like, the level of investigation that we got. <laughs> from the you know, they didn't understand, have no idea what they're talking about. 
And then, of course, here comes the lobbying, and it's not just the Chinese companies with millions of lobbyists. It's the American companies like Oracle and who are making money off of the making the money and who want, you know, who have their own politicians in their pockets. And the Wall Street guys, because, you know, be the, all these Chinese companies are, are using Wall Street money. That means private equity. That's big power in Washington. So, of course, it's, nothing happens. They, everybody pounds the table, and then we go back to business. But, you know, if you just think about how, like, you know, what's going on in our society, how much it's driven by the, the, the content that people see on social media, uh, putting that in the hands of our greatest adversary uh, is, is it's crazy. It's stupid. And, uh, you know, something's got to be done. It makes the Trojan horse seem like, a, you know, a minor incident in world history. It's one of the most amazing things that's ever happened. Historians will look back on this someday if historians are allowed to print anything when China takes over the world and think, how did any superpower allow all their young people to be educated by their number one adversary? Right. And it's sort of like, you know, it's good that you point out it's not a new tactic, right? So they've been doing it since Trojan times. But if you just think about, like, just the difference between... 2016, no matter what you thought about the Russian interference, in the, in the end, it was a bunch of Facebook pages. This is like a heavily organized, intel, artificial intelligence-driven thing. It makes the Russian interference look like like child's play by comparison. And that's what you don't realize about the Chinese, is that they're not, they don't do it in the clumsy way, they do it in the smart way, which is to make it, have their messages come through American phones in America, with American voices and American influencers and we don't, we're not savvy enough as a democracy to have institutions that can even understand that, much less regulate it. But it, essentially, in the end, that's exactly what's going to have to happen. Good Lord, this is discouraging. Yeah, it's like the Trojan horse was a moving sidewalk in the Greeks or the Spartans or the Irish or whoever got Trojan horse. <laughs> didn't bother shutting down the sidewalk. They just left it open. Good Lord. Josh Rogan, global opinions columnist for the Washington Post, is on the line. Uh, speaking of China taking over the world, Josh, there have been a number of headlines uh, in, in in the business papers especially, but uh, China's run into some serious, serious economic uh, stumbles, haven't they? Well, yeah, there's two things going on. One is that the Chinese economy has been slowing for over a decade. All right? That's like structural. When it's a, the bigger it gets, the lower the growth rate is going to be. It's just natural that it was going to slow. And then you add on the extra things that Xi Jinping has done wrong. And, you know, there's two ways to analyze it. There's the Wall Street way, and then there's the honest way. Right? The Wall Street way is to say, oh, well, this is a good time to invest in China because all the stocks are down. And, oh, you know, everything's going to be fine, and they're going to bounce back. So, you know, or some people will even say, well, that this means they're not that powerful, so we don't really have to do anything to compete with them. But the honest way to analyze it is to say that the reason that China's economy is in the toilet is because Xi Jinping has destroyed private business in China because he's nationalized the education, the gaming, everything. It's all coming, the technology, he put people falling out of windows, putting people in prison, executives dying all the time. This is a scary scenario. This is a uh, 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 an environment where American businesses are getting scooped up and, and shut down. And what that really should tell us is that China is becoming more dangerous as it gets weaker, not less. Interesting. Josh Rogan, Global Opinions columnist for The Washington Post. Excellent follow on X as well. Josh, thanks a million for the time. Good to talk to you. Anytime. China is getting more dangerous as it gets weaker, uh, which is uh, worth remembering. Uh, yeah, I remember saying a couple of years ago, is that what Ian Bremmer criticized me for over-egging the pudding about? 
when I said the good news is for the world is that Xi is a communist. He actually believes that crap. Thank God. That's good news for us, I think, that that he actually thinks that is a better economic system. If he was if he was more on board with the capitalism aspect, they would have more money and be more powerful, but yeah, I don't remember which particular pudding was overegged, but that might have been it. We're talking Ian later this week, aren't we, about mm-hmm. the global risks uh, yeah. list that's out for 2024? Correct. So I, I, I think that ones. you may be over-egging the pudding a bit. <laughs> Whatever that means. A classic. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a very, very friendly way of saying you have no idea what you're talking about. No, 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 no. You're just trying a little hard. Hey! Let's get back to the TikTok thing, because this cannot be uh, emphasized too much. No, I can't. We are allowing the minds of our young to be poisoned by our most dangerous global adversary because a few people are making a few bucks and and they're spreading around bribes to our utterly corrupt uh, legislators. You know, sometimes the uh, the hardcore America first, throw them all out, we need a new constitution crowd is a little over the top for me. But when you see that level of stupidity and and foolishness and fecklessness, you can't help but think democracy doesn't work. Maybe yeah. the, the threat yeah. just needs to get to worse. I don't know. Yeah, no kidding. Um, Trump's in a courtroom today. The Red Cross is alerting us to the fact that this these are different topics. Did I pause long enough? Trump is in a courtroom today. Beat. The Red Cross is alerting us to the fact that our blood supply is dangerously low for some reason. I seem to have as much as usual, but uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, the the whole... Oh, sorry. That's, what was my favorite joke that I remember I read reading this the other day? I'm never donating a blood. Too many questions. Uh Whose blood is this? What? Where did you get it? Why is it in a bucket? Or something like that. <laughs> oh, now I get it. <laughs> they asked too many questions. <laughs> Whose blood is this? Why is it in a bucket? Oh, yeah. Okay. There you go. All about the delivery. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, more on the way, Steve. Nothing counts so much as blood. Right. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Some news from North Korea. I read that Kim Jong-un's 10-year-old daughter is his most likely successor. During dodgeball, she now just stands there like, I dare you. (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. He was there with his uh, 12-year-old girl and um, uh, and all the speculations she's going to take over. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, we'll see when we see. Uh, a sweet vindication. Well, it's not vindication exactly, but when I said Joe Biden would not be the candidate come November of 24, and I, when did I start saying that? A year ago? Long time ago. Long time ago. They said I was mad. Mad, I tell you. Well, according to one of J.P. Morgan's chief strategists. I saw this. Michael Semblist, who heads the Market and Investment Strategy Unit in the Wall Street Bank's Asset Management Division, made the shocking forecast in his list of 10 surprises for 2024 over the weekend. Tops among the prophecies was that 81-year-old Biden will drop out of the race sometime between Super Tuesday and the November election, citing health concerns, precisely as I predicted. Mr. Semblist, I don't mind you taking my words and, and, and using them. For for yourself and your company, but give me credit, please. They've got to get through the primaries so that nobody is is the clear uh, second choice because they're not having primaries. They're not even letting anybody else's name on the ballot in several other states. They get through the primaries. Biden is unquestionably the nominee. He close-ish to the conventions, <clears throat> cites health reasons, says for the good of the country, uh, I, I can't do it. Then the Democratic Party, which fixed it for Hillary and then fixed it for Biden at Bernie's expense. These people are not bound to some sort of we must let democracy work sentiments they will have their candidate of uh they will have chosen their candidate and they will uh, unleash them at the convention they will yeah. have a quote-unquote brokered convention that will be uh <laughs> have the hell brokered out of it and they will have their new candidate which in hindsight could seem pretty obvious because you know they had to find a way to take it out of the hands of the voters who they're worried would Vote for a Bernie Sanders type person or somebody like that that could never win. Sure, RFK Jr. or whoever else. I mean, if they if they go through three states and they have somebody or a couple of somebody's who are getting 15, 20, 30 percent of the vote over the incumbent, they've got a huge issue. Yeah, so, so they're trying to prevent that. Take it out of the hands of the voters, wait till it's too late, and then the powerful in the party can pick someone. Then who the, would they pick, though? That would that'd be a heck of a question. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely think that's more likely than not. It's hard to imagine, unless, unless something changes in the polls, it's hard to imagine sticking with Biden when all indications are currently Trump would win by a landslide in the Electoral College. Mm. A landslide. It would be like Obama numbers. 
And unless they have the idea that reminding everybody of the chaos of the Trump years and the divisions will be so powerful, they will easily overcome people's increasing discomfort with ancient Joe Biden's uh, mental acuity. Um, you just It doesn't make any sense to stick with Biden. I mean, he is weak and getting weaker. Anybody who's ever watched a parent or grandparent age knows they don't bounce back. You don't get better. This trend line will continue. So, yeah, again, it, it seems self-evident to me that it's at least pretty likely. A couple more of this guy's predictions for what it's worth. Okay. Americans will reject self-driving electric vehicles following several accidents that have roiled San Francisco. Uh, and a warning that blackouts will strike New York, Texas, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Tennessee due to natural gas shortages, again, due to Biden policies. He predicted new inhaled COVID vaccines currently under development will be available this year and will sharply reduce the transmission of the virus. Will people take them? Right. Inhaled vaccines. I don't think it's the needle part that's stopping most people from getting it. Did you? Let's go ahead and do some good, solid studies on them first this time, huh? Yeah, why not? Uh, a little more on the sec def situation. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Startling new revelations about the extent of the efforts to hide the hospitalization of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and the severity of his medical emergency. It was December 22nd when Austin secretly underwent a still unknown elective surgery. He was released the following day. But on Monday evening, January 1st, Austin was in such severe pain, he was taken by ambulance to Walter Reed Hospital and immediately rushed to the intensive care unit. His personal security detail following the ambulance. So this whole scandal, and I think it's fair to call it a scandal at this point, don't you? 
Yeah, whether it ends up being a big sustained one or not is uh, remains to be seen. Republicans are calling for uh, Sec Def Austin to resign. I think that's mostly just the you always want the other side to have to give an inch and you feel like it's a victory thing more than it's proof of his incompetence or something like that. But it's interesting that with the um you know that tribal aspect involved, the Washington Post is hardcore uh, with like 40 questions on you need to answer all these questions now of what's going on with this the washington post editorial board Mm -hmm. and they go through all the obvious stuff of how in the hell did you not alert you know your boss how did you not alert the person underneath you how did you blah 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 all these different the obvious questions we've been asking for several days And then it says, when a Pentagon spokesman first disclosed Mr. Austin's hospitalization, he attributed the delayed notification to patient privacy. Uh, no, says the Washington Post. (laughs) Wow. Senior cabinet officials do not have the same expectation of privacy as a private citizen or even a military officer, and especially with regard to what they tell the president. Recent precedent supports that. When... Sec Def Donald Rumsfeld went and got rotator cuff surgery in 2006. They announced it immediately. When Robert M. Gates broke his arm after a fall in 2008, they announced it immediately. So there's precedent for not being secret about this. So before I get into the other stuff that's more meaningful, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and a, a number of the hosts, well, yeah, HIPAA, he has HIPAA rights. I mean, nobody needs to know our the medical condition of... Am I? I'm, I'm wondering if I'm an outlier on this. I've brought this up many, many times. I can't imagine giving a crap if people know about my health situation. Am I a real outlier on that? Are most of you like super secretive about all your health issues? And why? there are a rough handful of scenarios I could see that uh, that's nobody's business. Give me one um, with Lloyd Austin that you would like really want to keep secret. Well, I I would say this, without getting into specifics about his body parts, I I think it absolutely is legit that we need to know the seriousness of whatever's going on. Well, I'm doing a separate topic, then I'm willing to come back to the sec def, just on the HIPAA thing, because I'm trying to figure out if I'm an outlier or not. Are most people way more private about their health stuff than I am? I just... I, I think know. so, yeah. But, but why? Or significantly what's your, more. What's your concern that if people find out you got... High blood pressure or, or whatever the hell you got. I don't, I don't understand. Uh, I don't know. I think, number one, it's nobody's business. Number two, you wouldn't want an employer to shy away from employing you because you have a health condition or what have you. Uh, I'm not real worried about it. I was just surprised, uh, again, I was listening to a couple of podcasts where people brought this up. Where that, that, Yeah, it's absolutely none of our business what he's got. Why? Well, again, just if we get an honest account of the seriousness of it, uh, or at least the administration does. I I mean, that's the truly scandalous part. Nobody had any idea. Yeah, well, the the other people absolutely need, but I don't know. I feel like you waived that when you took a job like Secretary of Defense. People get to know about my health, and if it turns out I got a really bad heart... People need to know that I have a really bad heart, and the guy who hired me, who's an elected official, has decided to keep me or not. And it's right. part of the whole voting decision. 
I don't think you're wrong. The Washington Post said a cabinet-level official. Now, if the Secretary of the Interior has, I don't know, a vasectomy, I don't need to hear about that. Whatever the hell that is and whatever the hell he does. Or she. <laughs> I'm going to talk uh, about but, that in a second, because that's a oh, different okay, side great. note I've got on different cabinet officials. But, um, but SecDef, yeah, that's that's critical. Um, uh, you said, aside from certain body parts, give me some examples, even if they're tawdry, of something you'd want to keep secret that is a... Uh, a health thing. I can't even. I, I can't even think of a health thing that I'd want to keep secret. Maybe I'm not using my imagination. Give me an example. Well, I don't know anything to do with your junk or your sex life. Okay, so your sex life, or uh, or, or okay, you know, okay, okay. So if I was in there being treated for like five different kinds of venereal disease, <laughs> I could see my maybe wanting to keep that a secret. Well, really, any more than two. Yeah, um, or I don't, you know, if a guy wants to get a little uh, facelift or something like that, um, this, this is nobody's business. It would open him up to derision and, and mockery, um, and, and okay, nobody needs just, to know unless it goes uh, sideways. Those are two pretty good examples. You might not want to have everybody know you got a facelift. Michael, you got an example? A weird growth, like a third arm. <laughs> All right, just sit, settle down. Turn off your microphone. The, um, the, the only time we've ever seen anybody with this many venereal diseases was a man who traveled from <laughs> Bangkok to Mexico City, then stopped in... Easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, the fact that virtually nobody was reformed, uh, informed, rather, that the Secretary of Defense was out of commission, like completely out of commission, is it's absurd. It's amazing. Okay, so, first of all, their original explanation... The Washington Post says, uh, no, everybody else thought the same thing. So when you start with an obvious lie, now it's definitely a scandal, I think. I mean, when your first explanation is an obvious bull s, now you're into scandal territory. Then the Washington Post gets into this aspect, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, the fact that no one in the White House appears to have noticed the secretary's absence for several days amid heated conflicts in the Middle East and in Ukraine is another riddle. And unfortunately implies Mr. Austin, though an able man, is not as central to national security decision making as his counterparts, especially uh, Secretary of State Blinken and Sullivan. That's what Mike Lyons was alluding to, is that is SecDef, does he have much power? Is he running this thing or are they running the, the, the department out of the the state house or the national security or out of the White House, which is the way almost all department heads are now. Mm -hmm. um, secretaries, they, they're just a figurehead. They hardly do anything. Now, I think we all assumed while that might be true for interior and commerce and I don't know, name a bunch of other Department of Labor. But I've labored since I was 11 years old. I don't believe the Department of Labor has helped me a bit. Funny you would bring that up because I was going to get to that. I became aware yesterday of a book that Robert Reich wrote after serving as the Secretary of Labor under Clinton in 92, called Locked in the Cabinet. And it's apparently a hilarious book that I started last night about how little he had to do, how he had no decision-making power, how he just, I mean, he, he, he didn't have anything to do. He was struggling to find anything to do. Locked in the Cabinet was basically, I get to be the Secretary of this, but it's all run out of the White House. I'm not doing anything. And that's wow. the way it, and that's going back to 92. And it's been going more that direction year by year, according to all my favorite history. Bob Woodward's written about this, um, talking about the, 
the White House, and this can't be good, is taking the power away from all of these different different departments. And I wonder if it's all the way to the Secretary of Defense at this point, where Lloyd Austin, he's not doing that much. The reason they talk in here about how how little we've heard from SecDef Austin, given the fact that we've had all of these different military things going on, we almost never hear from him. We hear from the National Security Advisor, we hear from the Secretary of State. Well, maybe it's because they're the ones running the show. Maybe he can't even name the five services. He doesn't even know what end of the tank the shell comes out of. Um, It says here, Mr. Austin's penchant for secrecy regarding his health is consistent with his attitude toward public engagement more broadly, particularly his reluctance to interact more than minimally with the Pentagon press corps, having just said that perhaps Blinken and uh, 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 who's the other guy? Sullivan are the guys that are doing more around here. And then another thing that I find interesting, the Washington Post does not like the fact that we've done away with the rule, it would seem, that you you have to be out of the military for at least 10 years before you get to be Secretary of Defense. They mm-hmm. waived the rule for Mattis in 2017. They waived the rule for Austin in 2021. If you waive the rule that often, basically the rule has gone away. Um, with the idea that you're too close to the military, they say, the Washington Post, again, I'm reading from, this is not Fox, they say that Biden picked Austin because they thought that they could control him and that they the Defense Department would not be the independent power center it had sometimes been during the Obama administration. So Biden picked Austin because he wouldn't be free-thinking, independent, I'm doing what's best for my branch guy, and do more what the Biden people want. So then he is out of the loop. Wow. I think more, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, more national security power centered on Joe Biden, who's the can't-do guy among can't-do guys, Mr. Hesitant, Mr. We-better-not. Ugh. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't, there's a number of reasons I think this is a a bad trajectory for this whole thing, but the WAPO being pretty skeptical on this whole deal. So maybe. And I, uh, just real quick, I understand the, uh, the chain of command and I understand the, uh, the need for civilian control of the military, but I want a Secretary of Defense who will, for instance, say, our guys are getting traumatic brain injury. We're getting shelled constantly. We're getting attacked constantly in the Middle East. If we're not going to protect our guys, I want to get our guys out of there, Mr. President, what do you say to that? Or we can't continue to absorb these attacks and just let it happen or my guys are going to get killed. So what are you going to do, sir? Or a guy is just not going to say anything and the decisions are being made by your national security advisor and secretary of state, which is... Oh, that great sage of wisdom, Jake Sullivan. Yeah, Certainly what the Washington Post, I think, is implying. Um, because that's the thing that struck everybody. How is it even possible that they wouldn't know he's in the hospital. You're telling me the National Security Advisor didn't until Thursday talk to a guy a week, the very week that were bombing various places and being attacked? Well, it turns out right. he didn't because he doesn't. he's not interested in Austin's input. He makes the decisions himself with other people. And surely there was some communication between the White House and the Department of Defense, and nobody on the DOD uh, end of things mentioned, oh, by the way, the head guy's in the hospital. Has been for days. Intensive care. Yeah, he's really messed up. It just didn't come up. That's pretty odd. I think you may have explained it. One more thing I want to jam in that's uh, tangential. So this uh, Robert Reich book, uh, Locked in the Cabinet, about how cabinet people don't actually have any power anymore. Refreshing candor from the runty communist. 
Yeah, he wrote this right when he got out of office. I don't think he knew he was going to become a cable star and everything like that. I don't think he'd have been so dismissive of a variety of things. Anyway, he's trying. His so he's uh, he's working for the Clinton campaign at this time, and his wife is dreading if Bill Clinton wins, and her husband ends up not uh, appointed to something, and they have to move to Washington D.C. because they'd lived there before. Mm. And in the book, she explains why she's dreading to uh, moving to Washington D.C. Um. It's always the same thing in Washington. Who's up? Who's down? Who's in? Who's out? It's a one-company town, Bob. Everyone works for the same company in some way or another. Politicians, journalists, bureaucrats, lawyers, lobbyists, and all that really counts is your rank in the company. Power, power, power. No one cares about ideas or values or even their families. Truer words have never been spoken. I thought that was really interesting. It's a one-company town. Everybody in the whole town works for the one company which is the government. Right. And nobody cares about policy or anything like that. It's just who's ahead of who and who gets to have more power of this or that. God bless Mrs. Reich. She's absolutely correct. That is interesting. More on the way. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Eight seconds to go. Michigan has won the college football national championship 34 to 13. The University of Michigan Wolverines, who, as we mentioned earlier, spent this last year, Jim, they spent $16 million for their DEI bureaucrats. That's so much money that nearly 900 people could have attended Michigan tuition-free last year if they didn't have those idiotic, communist, counterproductive, racist programs. Wow, $16 million on a department that doesn't need to exist at all. Yeah, not only does it not accomplish anything good, it's a force for evil. Way to go, Wolverines! Of course, a lot of colleges and universities are just as bad. 
Uh, we've been discussing matters military, and I wanted to squeeze this in. I brought this up yesterday, and Jack said, wow, I hadn't heard this. Do you have the information? And um, it's striking as I went to retrieve it. It's about that. You know, remember they were going to look into extremism in our military? United States military, white supremacy, etc. Uh, in in looking to retrieve the information that I'd stumbled across the other day, I did the standard internet search and uh, came across a couple of dozen articles from when this thing was launched, talking about how this is a serious problem. All you damn white people, you extremists, you you weirdos who join the military from your flyover country backwater towns that we're so deeply suspicious of here on the coast uh, among the elite. You could find lots and lots of coverage of the launch of it, but I had to dig quite a bit to find the results of the damn thing. And here it is. This happens to be from the, the website of uh, Congressman Mike Gallagher uh, of Wisconsin, who I uh, think very highly of. Oh, yeah, he's something. So the damn thing was released on, I think, uh, January the 3rd, but this came out on January 4th. He writes, last week the Pentagon released a study which was completed over a year and a half over a year and a half ago on prohibited extremist activities in the U.S. Department of Defense. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, whereabouts unknown, commissioned this study, which cost taxpayers uh, $900,000 during his first two months on the job as part of a broader effort to combat, quote, right-wing extremism in the ranks. Study draws on social science databases of extremist behavior, Department of Defense, disciplinary records, interviews with military leaders and junior enlisted, junior officers, etc. They talked to thousands of people. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what they found, given the fact that our president said white supremacy is the number one issue in America. Oh, yeah, you're going to want to uh, maybe draw yourself a map of the insidious threat of white supremacy in the military after I get done. Every data source tells the same story. There is, quote, from the report, no evidence that the number of violent extremists in the military is disproportionate to the number of violent extremists in the United States as a whole, close quote, or that right-wing extremism constitutes a disproportionate share of whatever extremism problems may exist in the military. Meaning you got as many lefties as righties or animal rights people or God knows what issue. There's no particular right-wingy extremism in the military. These conclusions are a serious indictment of Austin's entire effort, yet the damage has been done, says Gallagher, and he's right. As the report itself, itself acknowledges, anecdotal accounts of military participation in events like Jan 6 magnify the actions of a few and provide little information on the overall scope of the problem. And, and again, the outset of this investigation was covered extensively in the media with, and I just scanned this stuff moments ago, with statements, confident statements to the fact that, oh, yeah, this is a serious problem. Everybody knows it, and they're finally going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. They went ahead and leapt to the conclusion in their questions, in their, in their headlines. No, it turns out there's nothing there, but it's not being covered at all. It's an amazing thing conservatives ever win elections, any elections. Here's my favorite headline from the New York Post of the day. Yes. X... Ex-Mayo Clinic doc accused of fatally poisoning pharmacist wife after failed open marriage. Oh. That's quite a story. The thruple, folks. It sounds like a great idea, but it's complicated. Trust me on that. <laughs> Trust me on that? Uh, we do four hours every day. If you miss an hour, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.